0: Hey, it's Beth Rals from the Hashtag Five Things Podcast. The Hashtag Five Things Podcast is your source for the latest in social media. For about 30 minutes every week, we deep dive into the headlines from the social channels you use the most. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and more. Search your podcast app with the hashtag, the number five, things. Hashtag Five Things. Powered
1: by Gray. was going from his second basic training because he was a medic and he was stationed in wichita falls texas and it was a friday night i'll never forget it and he called around eight o'clock and he said mom i'm on a back road it's three of us it was four altogether. four black young men on a back texas road he said the cops just stopped us he said what do i do and just that sheer uh, panic went over me. And I said, well, the first thing to do was hang up the phone, put it down, put your hands in the air and say, yes sir, yes ma'am, and call me back. So that was a good 15 minutes of heavy prayer. And he called and said, mom, we're okay, as they were heading to Dallas. Going back in the recesses of my mind, that's where I think it really hit home for me.
0: Every business, whether or not they realize it, is an idea business. The people at Gray have a long history of creating famously effective ideas. And so, with Gray Matter, we explore the ideas shaping our world. We ask creative minds from all corners of life how they came up with their best ideas. And that's what matters for Gray Matter. On this episode of Gray Matter, we'll discuss an invention that's ultimate purpose is to create a world where it no longer needs to exist. Hello, I'm John Petrolis, Worldwide Chief Creative Officer at Gray, and this week we'll discuss the idea behind the Not Reaching Pouch, a clear pouch that holds a driver's license and registration right next to the steering wheel. Its simple design eliminates the need to reach into the glove compartment during a traffic stop, which most police officers say is the moment they fear the most. We'll speak with the inventor of the pouch, Jackie Carter, who along with her husband Wayne and their son Justin run the small business Not Reaching. Jackie chatted over teams with executive integrated producer Lori Bullock. They chatted about Jackie's experiences in creating the product, her journey in higher education, and her connection with Valerie Castile, mother of Philando Castile. After Philando Castile's murder in 2016, Jackie felt she had to do something. She wasn't driven by profits. She and her family were simply trying to keep people safe during a traffic stop. So now they are actively trying to find ways to get their pouch into the hands of as many people as possible, specifically people of color. Jackie is also the president of a not-for-profit called the Alliance for Safe Traffic Stops, whose mission is to bridge the gap between law enforcement and the community through de-escalation training. Jackie is an extraordinary person, and we can't wait for you to hear more from her. This is Jackie Carter.
1: It's a plastic pouch that has a magnetic clip, clips to your driver's side air vent, it holds your license, registration, and insurance, so when an officer comes to your car, you're no longer reaching. And when I interviewed officers and asked them, what is it that makes you so nervous during a traffic stop, they all said reaching. Uh, we created that, well, I created that um, after July 6th of 2016, when I witnessed what happened to Philando um, in Falcon Heights, Minnesota, We were, I live, we're living in um, Virginia now, but then I was living in Coatesville and we were celebrating our son's 30th birthday in Coatesville, Pennsylvania. He had just came home from uh, being a medic in Afghanistan. So we were really excited. And as we're celebrating uh, his birthday, Valerie's losing her son in Falcon Heights. And I just remember, you know, we had so many things going on with different incidents with police, that it just was enough. It was one of those moments where it was enough was enough. And I turned to my husband and I said, I got to find, I have to create something. I got to find a solution. And that's where Not Reaching came from.
2: Wow, that's pretty powerful. And you are a mom yourself and, of course, uh, a wife um, to your husband, Wayne. Obviously, they are black male motorists that have probably had some interesting experiences with law enforcement that might have also um, helped you to sort of think about and say, geez, something's got to be done. Can you talk a little bit about that and the experiences either your husband Wayne has had or your son Justin? My
1: husband, unfortunately, um, as a black male, was stopped many times. One in particular in our hometown of Coatesville, um, he has the same name as about four other people, Wayne Carter. Mm -hmm. Very, very, you know, general name and unfortunately they were looking for another Wayne Carter uh, who was almost 20 years younger but in that one week they stopped him four times knowing that he's not the one take him out the car search the car you know it's embarrassing people know you in the town so we finally went down to the police station and said here's his photo don't stop him again you know so you know we've had that and I remember when we first moved to the DMV area, um, he had his not-reaching pouch, and he was in D.C., and he was lost, and it was raining at night, and he said that um, he forgot to turn his lights on as he was trying to figure out the GPS, and a cop came behind him, and he said when he got out the car, he was like, you know, your lights aren't on, license, registration, and insurance, and he was like, officer, I'm not reaching. I have my not-reaching pouch, which started a huge conversation he loved it and didn't even look up anything about him, just told him to go ahead. <laughs> wow.
2: <laughs> That's pretty significant in terms of the insight and inspira- the inspiration of you um, giving birth to that idea, um, coming up with the concept. And um, I've read in other interviews that you actually kind of prayed about it for a very long time since it was very yeah. dear to your heart and trying to solve a solution. And it just came just like that. And you were excited <laughs> and explaining it to your husband. Tell us about that moment <laughs> of um, insight and how that led to the inspiration of you really creating the product.
1: Well, I, you know, I'm a woman of faith. I'm not overly, but I believe, and I believe that if you you pray and he will answer, you have to listen. And I just, you know, every night i go to bed, I'd pray about it, you know, got up the next day, nothing happens, still trying to figure things out. A lot of times we, we try to do our own thing when mm-hmm. it's just a be still moment. And it took months. I can't remember how long, but I do remember the day I got up and I said, I got it. I turned to my husband. I said, I got it. And he said, well, you got what? I said, I got it. I have it. So I, etched, I sketched it out. And talk to him, and he was like, "Oh, that's it, that's it." So, I immediately go down to our local police department, talk to some officers, and you know, we we kind of chopped it up a bit, and that's where you know they all were like, yes yeah, it's, it's the reaching," you know, and I was like, "Well, we're gonna call it not reaching." So right. we we started, you know, we we did a couple prototypes. We did one that was like a Velcro, and we we're like, ugh that's not it. And then we did one that was on the um glove compartment. I was like, "No, it's not close enough." And then finally, we came up with not reaching. That's amazing. Um obviously, being people of color,
2: specifically black people, um this is not a uncommon problem that we have. We all have experienced it. I know in black families all over the country and really maybe throughout Europe and any other developed nation, um where Black people are considered the minority, Um, having the talk to tell your son or your daughter um, to keep your hands on 10 and 2, um, and specifically be very careful and always ask the police officer when you can get your license and registration out. Just don't assume that you can do it with any sudden movement. So um, I know a lot of that kind of factors into the mindset of that. Um, You've also had the divine inspiration of... Coming up with that idea, but it seems like it's also sort of like the perfect intersectionality of the divine inspiration and the preparation that you've had um, with your education. I know you've got um, an AS in information technology, BS in criminal justice, MS in legal studies, master's in public administration, with a concentration in criminal justice. (laughs) And all of this preparation, studying, being aware. Being knowledgeable, understanding the law, understanding how society works has really placed you in this poignant movement where you've got the divine inspiration, you've prepared your life, you're educated, and you also have friends that are in the law enforcement community that pretty much served as a focus group, if you will, to see if the product is viable and is almost sort of like what you've crafted as a badge of compliance, which sort of de-escalates the moment, the minute that this interaction is happening, so that the police the police officers might be more inclined to um, be a little less guarded in any kind of movement. Because, you know, I've, I can certainly well understand it's a difficult job and They don't know, there might be a sudden moment and that's what they say. Because the line is, I was scared for my life. I thought he was reaching for a gun. And that whole not reaching part is really part of your R and D and coming up with the product. And I know that the last words that Philando Castile said was, I'm not reaching. And then therein lies the birth of your product. So in a perfect world, We wouldn't need this. Black motorists wouldn't need this. Um, But here we are. We do. Can you talk a little bit about how the product, how the not reaching pouch is making a difference in the lives of people of color, in the lives specifically of black people, and what kind of reaction you've gotten it from? I know the law enforcement side is following it and are kind of pleased with the results because it helps them. But what do you think people are saying that have purchased the product and are using it?
1: Well, first, I want to say that you were really close because my husband calls it a badge of cooperation. Ah. <laughs> and I thought when you said that, um, I was like, wow, you're the first person to even get close to that. Um We've had mixed reviews. Well, obviously, the people who purchase it love it. Um, I haven't had one person contact us and say, you know, this isn't something I want. When we get orders, we get orders for multiple pouches, not just one. I mean, we do get the ones, but um, we also have different types of pouches, too. So we have pouches that say, officer, I'm autistic. Officer, I'm deaf. My favorite one is I have a have. I have a medical marijuana license. I didn't understand why that was such a popular one, but people asked for it. But now I guess I do know. Um, but our, our second um, highest selling pouch is, officer, I have a license to carry a firearm. And I call that my Philando pouch because even Valerie, his mother, said if he had that pouch, he may be alive today. And that's mm-hmm. a pretty powerful statement. That's pretty profound. Um, and, and and the fact that when I created the name Not Reaching, I didn't know that was his last words until I met Valerie over a year ago. I actually, I was a grand jury court reporter in D.C. in uh, Virginia, so I know that whole system. And so the first thing I did was pull the transcript. Always pull the transcript if you want something because it's so accurate. And when I read the transcript of the police stop, and saw that that was his last words, I wasn't reaching. I mean, to me, that's everything coming together to say, no, this is exactly what we were supposed to do. Um, I think, you know, we get mixed reviews with it. Why, you know, why should I have to? We shouldn't need this. And I agree. I mean, when I came up with it, I wasn't saying, oh, man, this is great. You know, it's like, oh, this is awful that we have to do this. But until things change, until legislation is passed, until mindsets are passed are changed there, we have to stay safe. And I look at it as like I used, you know, almost what you said is a badge of cooperation. If I'm showing I'm cooperating and the officer is cooperating, we both will leave without an incident. Uh, That's what it's about. And yeah. I think when I've, I really felt the need for it about maybe six months ago, I went on a ride-along. I really, really highly recommend that citizens go on ride-alongs because you you will see what law enforcement has to do. And it's not an easy job. And I'm not, I'm not just I'm – I'm struggling with the words. I, I believe in the fact that there are mostly good police officers, I do. And I think we get the prep, bad, you know, press from the bad ones, but the majority are there really to help. I said that you know people are talking about defunding the police, and I said, well, I'm going to tell you right now, if I have an incident, I'm not calling Ghostbusters, I'm calling the police. So we need them. So what can we do to work together and partner? And, you
2: know, that's where we are right now. Yeah, it's quite profound. And obviously we do need the police. Uh, I think there's plenty of ways to co-partner with other community organizations. Uh, Police have a lot to do and we call them for really everything. And, And there are many instances where they're just not trained to do everything. And that's where mental health professionals and alliances and homeless alliances can come in to co-partner with police so that maybe they can step take a step back and other resources can be can come in to aid and assist people. Um, and that kind of gets me to my next point regarding the different variety of product that you have within the not reaching pouch collection. You know, you mentioned you have one for autism, you have you mentioned you have one for people that are licensed carriers, in the case of Philando Castile. Um, Elijah McCain, uh, which is a story about, an unfortunate story about a young man who um, passed away, I believe, last year in Colorado. Uh, unfortunately, at the hands of police in an unfortunate incident. And he could have been considered somewhat autistic, or having some issues. So tell us why and how you develop the product line to have a variety of different um, messages or messaging for the consumers that would approach
1: and buy your product. Uh, it was the customers. It was They were the ones who were contacting me saying, we need this and we need that, which showed me that there is a heightened sense of alert with them. There is a fear and they went, anything and everything on that pouch so that the officer is very clear that this is what is wrong with them or this is the issue uh so it came from the customers saying you know my son's autistic my daughter's autistic could you create that i have a great nephew that um has asperger's and i know the challenges that he faces and it could be misconstrued as being maybe disrespectful, not paying attention, you know, what have you. And so there was very important to create the autism pouch. Um, The one that was deaf, I had deaf customers saying, I need this because I had a traffic stop and it went badly. Um, The firearm speaks for itself. You have to let law enforcement know you have it. Yeah, they can run your tags, but wouldn't it be great if they could see that? immediately so that there are no incidents as philando's reaching to get his um his documents L- philando was strapped in his car seat have, how many times have you seen a shootout with somebody who's strapped in his never car seat? never
2: you. never never or nor with their fiance um on the driver's side and their yeah. child in the back seat i've but, never seen that it's never and happened it's never happened and you know, thank goodness she had the mindset to um, stream live so we can understand who Philando was. God rest his soul. Who's um, incredibly beloved in his community and uh, in the school system I know that he worked for. Dearly misses him along with the children. So um, out of these tragedies, bear uh, a great responsibility for many of us to try and figure out ways to help remedy the situation which obviously you have done and can, should absolutely be applauded for. And we could not be more proud to have the opportunity to speak with you and um, really celebrate in, in your idea and your product and in your invention. When you were developing um, the Not Reaching Pouch, did you come up with a first um, prototype of it that didn't work? And did you have to go back and retool it a little bit? And when did you realize that "Ah, I've got it? Like, this is really what it needs to be so you can bring it to the marketplace.
1: And this is where my better half comes in. I, you know, as soon as I'm like, yeah, I got it, he always like, ah, cool, you roll, you know, slow your roll a little bit. Let me figure something out. So we both worked on it. We, you know, like I said earlier, we, made a velcro pouch you know and we bought this little plastic thing stuck it up there and i was like you still gotta reach he's like uh yeah no more reaching and so he was like we need something that's so close to the window that when an officer comes up so also what we did was um because i at the time thought it was very important to have a young black man as the face of it i immediately called our son justin and said let me hand this over to you, cause he's very creative. He's matter yeah, of fact- Yeah, he's a filmmaker, I He's hear a too, filmmaker, right? he had, and I'm, I'm boasting now, he had two commercials on the BET Awards. Yeah. He had a Nike billboard, Nike and Foot Locker billboard in Times Square. Um, so a lot has come out of the PTSD and the, the, the creativity. So we said, here, let me give you my concept, you work on it. So he took a minute, he came back to me and he created, a not reaching wallet. Wow. So it's a wallet that has That's a bad. magnet sewn inside. Very is- cool. And I put too much stuff in mine, obviously. But the the goal is to have your license and stuff in here and then just take it off the thing and put it in your pocket, which is a lot sleeker, really nice, great leather, but it was expensive. So he came up with the, you know, kind of his generation thing. And I came up with something saying, no, we still have to make it affordable because it's the it's the goal is not technically to make money. It's to get save people's lives. So we have the two versions. We have my product and we have the the wallet. Matter of fact, I've sold out. I have to get more wallets in. Wow. So they sell out quite, you know, they, people love that wallet. And um, it's just, you know, it's just a lot easier. So, yeah, we came up with different things, and um, but we settled on not reaching. Uh, I've gotten flack over, the you know, the logo, the black man holding the wheel, and I'm like, I want that. It speaks volumes. <laughs> really, it just does. Uh, we had a discussion over Thanksgiving, and a few people were like, yeah, you need to change the name. I'm not changing the name. I'm not changing the name because they—they were Philando's last words. I'll never change the name of that. That is—that is—that is almost like so heavenly inspired <laughs> to say the last, you know, the lack of a better word. They're—they're they're part of his last words. Is as his mom said, he lost his constitutional right to live, and um, I will to my dying day continue to fight for. You know, the fact that he lost his life for a routine traffic stop. Philando did nothing wrong. Nothing. He went to, he was so compliant. And on July 6th will be four years. And I just put out a video on my social media page. I didn't even realize from the time Officer Yanez went to his car to start speaking to the time that Philando said I wasn't reaching was 46 seconds forty six seconds of an interaction took a man's life. can you- we're talking now forty six seconds can go by just like that. He made a judgment call in forty six not even a minute. I mean I sat here the other day for I watched it ten times and I kept timing it and I said, what is forty six and I sent it to his mom and I said, do you have permit can I get permission to set, put this out there because people need to see this yeah. It took 46 seconds for Yanez to kill Philando. I
2: know that you've been um, very close now in um, doing these interviews and and the fight to preserve the lives of Black people, Black men, Black women um, that have been victimized by this untimely, awful kind of situation um, with uh, routine traffic stops that end in death. Um, you know, Valerie has become a mother of the movement um, and, and you in, in in terms of association with your product. So I wanted to ask you, um, obviously, as a woman of color, a black woman, I completely understand the need for it. Um, as I mentioned, you know, my niece, we used to sort of put a plastic bag and Velcro it to the dashboard. And then you, your idea is really far and away so incredible that, you know, I want to buy it for everybody in my family. But um, what do you say to people not of color, not brown and black people? They may not really need to buy it, but they can certainly support you as being allies. What message would you have for them in understanding why your product and your creation is so significant,
1: especially now? Well, uh, even though it is more geared towards people of color, it's really for the new driver. You know, I think that every Department of Motor Vehicle, when you hand out a license, should give a pouch. Because what my husband says all the time is we're taught how to drive, but we're not taught how to interact during a traffic stop. And you don't hold court on the side of the road. This is a perfect time. You know, isn't that a great, he said that. I mean, It is. is. So, I've
2: so. actually read that, Wayne, saying isn't that don't hold court on the
1: side of the road. <laughs> it's like, it's this, perfect. Dude, I love it. That. But that's an absolutely great point. You want to live to it. see another day. Amazing. And it's true. We don't teach our children how to interact during traffic stops. You know, I was watching the other day a friend of mine whose daughter got her license and she's doing like that, and I put hashtag not reaching. Celebrating the license is great. There's another step you're totally missing. And parents, for some reason, want to bask in the glory of that and don't want to realize that there's a Part B. And that's the disconnect. I don't understand it. That's the disconnect. I actually give, I think I've given out way more pouches than I've ever sold and I've sold thousands and I mean thousands. Um, But I believe that parents do a disservice if you don't teach them the whole experience. I think, I don't care if you're white, blue, green, yellow, orange, if you have a son or daughter who's getting ready to drive, just like we had to learn how to, I'm of an age where we didn't have seatbelts, right? Then we had to use seat belts. So it's muscle memory, right? If you start them with the pouch, then they'll be more successful and be able to handle it. And so, you know, I could have created the VIP pouch or something cute. Now, we're in a time as, as this is the time. This is the time. I didn't even have a clue that in 2020 this kind of civil unrest would occur. Um, But it's here. So I don't, and and even for those who want to, um, you know, donate or you know you have black friends or people of color, I have a lot of people who do that. I have friends that are people of color and I want to give them away. So there's so many ways that we can all come together and work. We also created a nonprofit called the Alliance for Safe Traffic Stops.
2: Yes, tell me about that. I know you're the president of that. I'm the
1: president, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But we did that because we want to educate and train on the proper procedures. So my husband handles the education and training part where we have partnered with police departments and gone out in the community and taught them the proper procedures. Law Enforcement an Alliance coming together to keep people safe. And we also, at those trainings, give away not reaching pouches. So we were just starting when the COVID hit, but uh, we're going to do some virtual trainings, which I don't think for me is um, hands on enough. You know what I mean? It's just, I think, especially for uh, younger drivers, they're not interested in that. But we're, we're going to have to come up with some ways to, you know, try to get more training out there. But we are really proud of the alliance. Valerie Castile serves on the board. And we have, some, we have law enforcement on there. We have uh, Etan Thomas, who used to play for the NBA. He's on the board. Um, just a really great mix of people to to all wanting to come up with solutions. And it has to be solutions. We, You know, we're not going to keep talking about problems. We know the problems.
2: Absolutely, I think the being a solutionist is really what the world needs. Um, that's really part of the essence of gray matter and talking to thought leaders, idea makers, who are coming up with all of these kind of creative strategies to make the world a little bit
1: better. And you've certainly done that. My husband says all the time that there's a profit in problems. and And, and if you look at the media, the mainstream media, most of it is talking about problems. It's very, very difficult to get on a show to talk about a solution. It was just, you know, happenstance. I got on MSNBC of um, several weeks ago. Not happenstance. I know somebody who knows somebody, and I kind of mm-hmm. kept pressuring like I do. Yes. But no one really is interested because there's no profit in it there you know if you solve a problem then what are you going to talk about you can talk about number 45 all day long because that's the problem in our society but when he goes away you won't have that to talk about as you see george floyd how many times have you heard his name in the last couple weeks have you know how many how many times have you heard about ahmaud aubrey um we've heard brianna taylor a little bit more um the Richard Brooks in Atlanta, um, because we move on. Media has a slogan that says, if it bleeds, it leads. Bleeds. I used to be a news producer, I know, and it's the cycle
2: of how we keep stories alive and they kind of change. And that's very tied to politics too, the cycle of political news. So it's all intertwined and um Thank goodness that we've got a lot of people that are um, talking and that are interested in what's happening that are mindful to learn and listen. And we've got the protesters that are out um, doing their best to keep the message going. Of course, whenever you've got a mass group of people in the street that also invites another side of interlopers that want to cause a little bit of trouble, but we'll do our best to sift through that. But being a solutionist, I think is very key and you are absolutely to be applauded for that. Um, In the advertising business, we work a lot with problem solution and working with clients to come up with products and services that really meet the needs of consumers. So we're at least happy we're able to talk about the solution and how you're having success, which kind of leads me to my point here. Um, Obviously you created the product, the not reaching product branding, you talked about us, you you talked to us about how you were gonna hold on to that name, hold on to that line, why it was so significant. It was the last words that Philando said. It meant a lot to you. It means a lot to his mom Valerie that you're very close with. Um I know P- when you were focus grouping it a lot of people were saying, oh, I don't like that name and you stuck with it, which is fantastic because you live and breathe that Line and it's a a declarative and significant um, message that you're trying to portray. And now you have the alliance of the legal community, the police community that you're working with. So would you say that's sort of like um, the next level of success in, in offering this solution and product to people because you're getting both motorists and police the greater community, of course, people of color, but also everybody
1: who's really a motorist? I would say so. I think, you know, having law enforcement on board, and let's be clear, they're not all on board. Um, Many love it. None will buy it. Yeah, it's never in their budget. I have a feeling budgets are going to change and they may get them. (laughs) <laughs> so will, we have to be patient, um, yeah. but I do believe that, you know, I'm, I'm working with um, MPD to create a PS a public service announcement, so I'm waiting to hear back from them. Uh, this is the zeitgeist of the moment. It is the spirit of the times. We have to partner now. Law enforcement must show that they are allies of the community. And no better way to do it than to partner with grassroots organizations like mine, that is out there trying to make it safe for both law enforcement and the community. So I, you know, I just think that, you know, it's it's a, it's it, it became the perfect storm that that you know ended up being where we are now. It's still a lot of work, though. Um, you know, we we have a lot of work to do still. Um, I need to. I need to get on mainstream media. I need to be on the Today Show. I need to be on Good Morning America. I need to be on, you know. And until that happens, where people can say, because it's still just a small percentage of people that still know about this product, I need that. <laughs> like, I need that. Like, yes. but I love um, the podcast though. So don't get me wrong. But I just need. I need. <laughs> I need a, I need a, a bigger course. platform to for yeah. so people to know. Um, I'm, you know, I'm just hopeful that some big donors will come and say, Hey, here's this. So you can go and give a thousand out to this community. You can give a thousand to that community. That's what we, that's what, that's our hope because we don't want to, we want to be able to not sell that anymore. We just want to give them out. But because I'm not independently wealthy, I can't do that.
2: (laughs) No, we, we understand. And so, um, let's talk a little bit about where you want to go or where you see yourself in the next five years. I know you had mentioned that greater visibility, getting your message out, making sure it it gets received into the masses and hopefully using um, larger media platforms to get your message. So tell us a little bit more about that since you were speaking of it.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the the overall goal is that, you know, I live, like I said, I'm like 10 minutes, 15 minutes from D.C. So the overall goal is that I'll walk into the African-American Museum and see this as a relic. Right. That this is something we used to use. We don't need that it. That just kind of hit me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can say I did that. You know, but it's not needed anymore. I mean. Five years from now, okay. Hopefully, we're getting closer to the end of it. I don't want this is not to last forever. I don't. If it does, I I haven't done my job. And if it does, we haven't done our job as a society. So I didn't mean to get all. You know, but no, it's that's these true. Are the questions that's what we want.
2: That, Exactly. These are the questions why why we're asking you, and and why um, what you think is needed and where you see, um, the product going and the the need for it. So, um, of course, it's, it's, it's really important to hear. What advice would you give to people that, um, are looking to figure out a way to really, when they say, well, something's got to be done, what can I do? You're a living example of actually doing it. What advice would you have for other people that are looking to, um, be a solutionist in the moment when um, social justice issues come up and we need to help solve problems?
1: Uh, be Find out what their passion is and align with whatever that problem is. So, you know, the passion and the problem have to almost come together to create the solution. Um, for me, it was just, you know, I remember Trey, it started for me with Trayvon, I was like, This is happening now? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And then, you know, all the story, Eric Garner, Michael Brown. I mean, we could go forever. And there was just this boiling point in me. But I think for me, Philando felt like my son. Like that day, my heart connected with Valerie and my heart connected with Philando. I still get um, emotional when I talk about it because it was like he was my son. And I think, no, I'm not going to say I think, I know that for, for us to create solutions, we have to feel that. Like Every day, I want to know more about Philando because that could, for the grace of God, it could have been mine. And for me, I think that's the issue and that we have. Um, the difference between humanity and um, savagery is lack of connection. So, you know, humanity demands relationships and connections. Savagery says, do whatever you want to do. And I think for the police officer with George Floyd, that's where savagery comes in, because you don't know me and you'll treat me anyway. If you get to know me, you'll see we have more in common than we don't. And I've been thinking about this over the last few weeks, and that's really what God gave me, the difference between humanity and savagery. And it's been in my head for the last few weeks. And it is. We find ways, people who are creating solutions, to bridge that gap. Find communicative ways to bridge this gap, because that's the ultimate solution. If you find that you create opportunities for people to come together and learn and know we're going to finally see, you'll you'll interview me five years from now and say, you remember when you had that not reaching pouch? And I'm like, oh my God, yeah, that was five years ago. You know, So that's what I would say. Half that passion and the problem come together for the solution. Uh, what an incredible
2: um, insight you just gave us there. Um, you mentioned humanity versus savagery, um, and the expression of humanity and the extension of humanity in terms of how that's framed for Black people, to Black pe- Black people because of the void or the devoid of acknowledging that we are humans, we we have families, we are people, we emotionally connect, we have emotional intelligence, along with all of our intellect and and mentality that everybody else does. But for some reason, there's always been this very strange, pervasive messaging throughout the centuries that they're different, they're animalistic, they're not the same. Even in the medical community, um, there have been incredibly trained doctors and nurses who, uh, who seem to think that Well, they don't require as much as medicine because they can tolerate pain more. These are all sort of really incredibly um, strange information that helps sets the stage for why black people are often devalued and they are not considered and given the full breadth of humanity, which is one of the things that we're really trying to teach Um, a broader audience of non-people of color to understand that people of color, specifically we're talking about Black people now. Um, Of course, all lives matter, but we're talking about Black people right now. That thought of humanity has not been extended to us. And there is a specific reason why because when you devalue a person, you can treat them with the savagery. You can enslave them. You can sell and rip their families apart. You can put a price on their body. You can strip their name and give them the name of their enslaver. So when you put that particular um, mindset to how you think about a particular community, that has a very long and everlasting scar on, on those people, that people, those people being black people, which is why we see this kind of savagery. It is not by accident. So I just wanted to thank you for being very um, honest and soul bearing to explain that point because it's a theme, it is a reality, it is a fact that a lot of people are talking about right now. Even historians, professors, um, anthropologists, social scientists, professors in the study of African-American studies and black people in general. So it's not this foreign concept that we're coming up with. And I think in a broader sense, we have to understand that because that all ties into how you have to develop a product like this, which is really profound on its head.
1: Yeah, You started with my pedigree. Right, you, you know, you amazingly said my, all my degrees. You know, I forget about those because I don't, you know, I never really get a chance to talk about. Them. And I, when I turned forty, I went back to school and I got those degrees. Out of the four, I have a three, a 4.0 GPA for three of those. And when it comes time to go in the workforce, they put me. At entry level, because I'm a black woman who's older, and you don't see my value, and that has that's such a bone of contention for me, um, especially when I you know society says go back to school, learn something new, do something new, and we will reward you, and you don't, you know, and I honestly do believe that more than it is a black and white issue. It is a um, it's a class issue. It's us versus them. And when you don't have what the haves have, <laughs> you know, you're treated differently. You know, and I see that quite often. And Jackie Carter could walk down the street today. You would not know I have four degrees, because I don't have I don't have that on my shirt or anything. I have not reaching. So automatically. You think I'm a rebel.
2: Well, I know. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that the world knows. Um, and not everybody always needs to be incredibly educated. You know, lots of moms sitting at home have come up with incredible ideas that may have not have a huge education. So we know that. But um, it's it's just important in the framework of things because you've put the time invested in it, which also allows people to sort of sit back and take you a little bit more seriously. And you should be celebrated for that. Yeah. So, you know, we do our homework. That. We wanted to make sure we know the world that. knows what's happening.
1: Yeah, so. we, we do know that with uh, degrees brings credentials. And when you're working in, a, in environments like D.C. is its own beast. Uh, Definitely, you know, we lived 52 years in a small town, and we moved here, which is fast-paced. So we went from slow-paced to fast-paced, which I don't recommend for anybody who's in their 50s to ever do. (laughs) But it taught me a lot, the hustle and bustle, the hustle period. This is all a hustle, and you have to know that everything is about connection networking, networking, networking. And um, it's very important, Um, but they won't network with you unless you have credentials. And I I have to stress that. I don't care if you get an associate's degree, it's a credential that they'll say, oh, you're one of us. I was just gonna ask you what
2: best advice you could give to people on their journey of trying to create, uh, trying to be innovative, and be a solutionist. Um, And it sounds like you're mentioning that you need to be educated. So is that the advice that you were offered to people to be taken seriously or to have credentials?
1: Not necessarily for everyone. And it depends what arena you want to be in. It depends on the arena. And the person who doesn't have the credentials doesn't mean that you can't do it either. You just have to hustle more, you know, it's harder. Um, because I I, rem- I remember years ago, before I went back to school, and I, I, I used to be a church administrator, and I was starting all these programs and doing this stuff. And I created this program, and the woman came to meet with me, and she loved the program. And she said to me, so what school did you go to? And I was like, I didn't go to school. She said, you don't have a degree? I was like, no. She never called me back. And I knew that day. I had to make a change. That was for me. I'm just saying that, and because I, I don't want to discourage anyone who doesn't have a post-secondary education that they can't do what I've done. It's just harder because it's been so hard for me. Uh, but I do know when I see that look on someone's face, when they say, when you tell, just like you did, because I never tell anybody unless they ask me, uh, and then they're like, Oh, oh, you do know something. Well, yeah, we all know something if you ask us. So I don't want to ever discourage anyone. I think that if you have an idea, go for it. Go for it hard. Go for it as hard as you can. Because I truly believe that if you really finally know your purpose, live it out. Just live it out to the fullest. You have to. So No discouraging at all. You don't have to have a degree.
2: There's a famous saying I heard Steve Harvey say, the dream is free, but the hustle
1: is sold separately. (laughs) Yes, it is, and the hustle is real. As my husband said, it's
0: real. Wow, Lori, that was great. You and Jackie obviously connected during that conversation. What was something Jackie said that really surprised you during your conversation?
1: Well,
2: um, what really got to me the most was when she had mentioned that her son, who was in the military, was um, driving along late one night and he had gotten pulled over. And she was quite concerned what was going to happen next. And she lost communication with him. So she was kind of scared out of her wits. Um, The Philando Castile situation had um, happened previously. And as a mother with a son of age, um, African-American being pulled over, she was, of course, nervous. This is one of the things that all parents, especially that are black or people of color, and they have children that are uh, of the age of consent to drive, when when they get pulled over, you don't know if it's going to be the last time that you will see them. And that is such a profound and heavy kind of thing to weigh on the mind and the heart. So that kind of really settled in my heart because we've all had the talk about what happens when you get... Pulled over and how you have to keep your hands on the 10 and 12 position and that was the catalyst after that she just knew she had to do something. and especially I think the day Philando was killed was right around her son's birthday as well. There was all of these similarities of what she was experiencing and, and noticing through fear and uh, she kind of moved through it and then executed a plan and that is how not reaching was created.
0: Where can folks learn more about Jackie, Not Reaching, and the Alliance for Safe Traffic Stops?
2: Well, John, I think the best place to go is really to her website. Uh, You can go to notreaching.com and the Alliance for Safe Traffic Stops dot org. And there you can find more about trainings, become a member, or donate.
0: Well, Lori, on behalf of the podcast staff and our listeners, we want to thank you for bringing Jackie's story to us.
2: Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. And uh, I hope that she continues the journey because um, she's providing quite an incredible product and service.
0: Well, that does it for us. If you'd like to hear how other creators, founders, and inventors thought up their ideas, check out our archive of episodes in this feed. Our second season of Grey Matters is winding down, but we have one more episode coming soon. And be sure to stay subscribed to the feed. We'll have some bonus materials over the next few months. Feel free to reach out to us with questions and comments on Gray's social channels or our email address podcasts at gray.com. And finally, help share the ideas you hear on the show by telling a friend. Thanks for listening to Gray Matter. Gray Matter is hosted by John Petrullis, produced by Joey Scarillo, Danielle Hunt, and John Dillon. Mixed by Guy Rosemarin at Gramercy Park Studios. Additional support by Christina Hyde, John Jenkinson, Grace McDougall, Lydia Dizon, and Ryan Cunningham. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at Gray.com.